This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello, this is Stephen for the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. Here to talk to you about back sweat and how it happens to chubby guys like us. It's an awful, awful thing, so stop judging us. Thank you. That just happens to Steve. That doesn't happen to me and Eric. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. I mean, <laughs> I just I, I had to throw it out there. We are here at sixteen hundred Buck Slayer Place at the Buckatorium in Sheerard, <laughs> Illinois. Zip code. Look it up on Google because I do not know it right off the top of my head. I don't live here. Oh, uh, we're episode seventeen. We're moving right along here, and we're starting to do. Big what, what do you mean we're moving right Bigger along? We're 35 things. seconds in. We're on episode oh, 17 guys, is what I meant by that. Moving yeah. right on Big along. Doc. At least he got it right. All right. What, what episode are we on 16? You, you don't say yeah. the number anymore because you can't remember. <laughs> we're on 17. Do you it know is why, right next to you. Do you want to know why 17 so special? Because we're getting some sweet guests on the show. That's what's going on What if this. I told you <laughs> that on the other end of our line, we had one of the biggest names in the hunting industry? How would... I would question you at first, but since I know who it is, well, let me just uh, see you. Who who who's on line number one? Who, who do we have with us today? Well, this is Melissa Bachman, and I'm starting to wonder why I called in on the back sweat commercial day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and I'm sorry. I, I have a platform. I needed to draw attention to it. It's a horrible thing. <laughs> We're trying our hardest, but if we try too hard, the more back sweat comes out. It's just a thing. All right, I had to bring attention to it. I knew right when <laughs> you were going to awesome. say that, Steve, that she's sitting there going, oh, my God. What uh, did, what I, did I get into? <laughs> is this even a bow hunting podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about back sweat. Well, I sure appreciate you guys having me on today. No, no we problem. appreciate your time for sure. This is a big deal for us, so we're big fans. Well, thank you very much. Are is you that... in Minnesota right now? Yes, I am back home in Minnesota. I was just at a show in Wisconsin for the weekend. I um, had a good time out in Oshkosh, and now I'm back home getting ready, editing for season uh, four uh, for third and fourth quarter right now. So well, trying to get episodes out the door. Perfect. All right, awesome. Oshkosh, Perfect. but gosh, did you pick up a bunch of jeans and overalls? 
Well, I thought about it, but <laughs> there's a, there's still an Oshkosh Bagosh outlet somewhere around here. Oh yeah, so I have no idea what I that, that is. I think there's one in Iowa City. Yeah, and you're is. their number one customer, right? I am because I'll tell you something about. <laughs> I'm not trying to plug Oshkosh Bagosh, but I want to tell you something, uh, chubby guys, about overalls. Hides back sweat. Oshkosh. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, I apologize, Melissa. Uh... We get off topic when we have a couple of brewskis. Oh, yeah, real quick, we'll get out, get some sponsors out of the way. Mark Rife with Creative Critters Taxidermy. Um, Melissa, where do you take your taxidermy work? Because I think oh, you need to give Mark a call don't here. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a. I get a variety done. Um, I do a lot with wildlife galleries out of Michigan. Oh, and then okay. I actually just started working with a person here in Shakopee. It's a little closer to my home. But I have quite a bit of stuff coming in, and I love getting things mounted. My house is completely full. So instead of looking for more taxidermy places, I might need, like, a home builder here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, you, oh, yeah. you need to put an addition on that house. <laughs> you know, I think Mark does a lot of work with uh, the wildlife gallery. Um, I think he uses their tannery. He's yep, a, I think they have the biggest tannery in the United States. So. Yeah, and it, it's kind of a cool process how they do that all. He'll send his hides out, get the hides tanned, and they come back, and he just starts on the whole process. So, But, yeah, they, mm-hmm. they're they uh, they're big in the taxidermy world. Um, also, real quick, yeah. we got to give a shout-out to Elite Print Productions. Um, do, they do all our uh, T-shirts and stickers and banners and stuff like that. Awesome. Um, awesome products. Yeah, you guys can find them on Facebook. Check them out. On with the show. They don't have Here a kick. They don't. No one uses kick, Steve. I don't even know what that is. All right, whatever. So, well, M- Melissa, welcome to the uh, podcast. Here, um, we are like we were so pumped to have you on. Uh, we put that post out, and everybody that like I just walk around at work, and everybody would come up to me. He's like, "Oh, aren't you getting you're getting Melissa on? Get, tell her I said hi." <laughs> so, well, for, tell everyone that said hi, I say hi back. So, oh, okay. so now awesome. we got that. I was like, wow, she knows a lot of people really personally because they're just saying hi. So. I was getting text <laughs> mails all day like, are you really having Melissa Bachman on? Like, uh, yeah. People don't really think we're much, Melissa, but that's going to change now thanks to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I sure appreciate you guys taking your time to have me on. So you, and you're in my favorite state of all my hunting. Uh, number one place oh. I love going for big whitetails. So. Oh. Oh, which which really? county? I think Golden Triangle Whitetails I've seen you're pretty fond of. Yes, yes, I've been going there for quite a while, and uh, I think it's pretty obvious why I've killed some pretty nice bucks there. In fact, my mom even got one last year that was in the 160s, so wow. it was really cool to be able to bring my family there. I don't get to hunt Minnesota too much anymore, so I try to bring them down for second gun season or muzzleloader and have them hunt with me, and she got an awesome buck. It was her biggest buck ever, and I've never seen anyone so excited, so it's pretty cool to see. <laughs> really? And that's Pike County, isn't it? Yeah, and that's a 160. 160- Pike Brown, Adams, and Schuyler County, so kind of a variety um, in there. And that was a 160 for Illinois, so really tiny deer for around Yeah. Here. Yeah, come to Iowa <laughs> once. See, I'm the only – well, I guess Steve's an Illinois boy now. I'm, uh, I'm from I Illinois. Was, all right, hold on. I was an Illinois boy. I moved to Iowa for a year, and now I'm living back in Illinois in my boyhood home. It's pretty cool. And Eric's an Illinois – or Iowa boy. I am from Iowa. Yeah, both are pretty good. It just takes me too long to be waiting for tags in Iowa. Yeah, what Got is one it? four years ago, and uh, it'll be probably another four before I can bow hunt there. So, <laughs> see, that's a, <laughs> see, so you can Illinois. just. I'm sure because yeah. as a non-resident, you can just get a tag every year in Illinois. Is that correct? Or mm-hmm. yeah, what? that is correct. 
So at Golden Triangle Whitetails, you killed like a 200 and, it was like a 202 inch or something like that? Yep, 202 inches after a pack of coyotes chased it to me. So um, everything finally worked out and all the hard work paid off. And uh, probably I'll never top that, but that's okay. It was uh, probably one of my first deer I was ever filming for trying to be on TV. And I had been working um, nonstop as a producer, just filming everyone else's hunts nonstop, just going, going. Finally had some time off. Every time I'd get a chance, I'd go down there. And right before Christmas, um, everything worked out, and I ended up with that. And I actually went back to work, and I'm like, hey, guys, in case anyone's <laughs> interested, um, got a really nice buck this weekend. They're like, oh, well, that's good, you know. And I'm like, yeah, like, it was really big, and a pack of coyotes chased it to me, and it's all on film. They're like, oh, okay. I'm like, um, well, I edited the show, and you can have it for free if you want to run it. And they're like, well, how big was it? And I showed them a picture, and they're like, holy smoke. Oh, <laughs> so man. They were cool. like, this girl is serious. I, 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 <laughs> it was awesome. How good does that have to feel that, you know, you, you, you know, you're, you're working night and day, you know, you're getting a really sweaty back for somebody else's work. <laughs> and that's the yes. name of this show. But you, you're doing all this, and these people are knocking down pretty good deer. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get a day off, and you're like, I'll film this hunt. And then this monster, this slob of a buck just happens to really fall right in your lap. And then, at, like, how good does that feel? Well, it was pretty awesome. And I hunted a long time. I mean, I would be filming all these other guys. If I hunted, if I filmed for, you know, 20, 30 days in a row, then I'd get five or six off. And so I would go down there every chance I got. And I think I was out hunting 46, 47 days that season just at that location trying to kill a nice deer. So, wow. you know, it's one of those things where hard work does pass. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I've had years where I hunt that hard and you get nothing. Mm -hmm. But it's a pretty sweet feeling of success to have it all work out. Yeah, definitely. Well, my last two seasons, I've been uh, buckless, so I know that. <laughs> I know that you got to put in the time. Man. Yeah, I mean, you definitely do, and that's what makes it so rewarding when you finally slam. I mean, I've never shot anywhere near to a 200-inch deer, <laughs> but I can't even imagine that feeling of grabbing all that antler mass and just, I'd, I'd probably, be speechless. I'd probably pass out. I probably would. <laughs> do a little happy dance and then. The hard be. part was sitting in the stand watching them for so long because oh. I saw them at like 150 yards for 30 or 40 minutes. Oh, I was no. just totally freaking out. I'm like, I got to get out of this tree stand and try to go stalk this buck. <laughs> and we're like, no, that's not going to work. But it is so hard to just sit there and watch them, being like, this is a buck of a lifetime, just out of range. You know, I got to do something. But sometimes <laughs> it's better to be patient, and it, and it paid off. Yeah, it's, it's like when somebody gives you those like hundred dollar bills in that 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 case that has that ball with the maze on it, you know, you're just like, okay, can I just, is there a way I could just crack this open? There's got to be an easier way. <laughs> yes, very similar. <laughs> I just, oh, you, you are so nice. I, I love how nice you are. You're, yeah, I, I know you're sitting there like, oh, what is this dude talking Steve's about? Steve's kind of hard to put up with on the show. Most people just laugh and yeah, nod. Yeah, but see, I got flipped a hundred dollar bill before the show without the maze, so that way I'd just be nice. So don't kid yourself. There you go. I know, but I couldn't find one of those things. I was like, I just send it to her. Just Whatever. Give her the, the hundred. I gotta make her work for this. So you think you for sure get more nervous if you get to watch a two hundred inch, one hundred seventy inch whitetail out for a long time rather than, you know what I mean? Do you get more nervous getting to watch them, or do you feel like? I guess I'm trying to ask is like. At a point, I'm like, okay, I'm getting nervous. But after a little while, I'm like, okay, I can kind of get control of myself here. Because it's so far out. Because he's so far away. Like, if you can see him coming and be like, okay, this is what mm -hmm. I need to do. Think it out. 
Does that make sense? I wish I could say that was the truth, but it's not for me. I just keep getting more and more nervous. <laughs> anytime, it doesn't matter how big it is. You know, I, yeah. I wouldn't say I was any more nervous on this buck than whatever buck. But if I decide that that's an animal I'm going to shoot, whether it's a doe, whether it's a buck, whatever it is, my heart just starts racing. And it's pretty hard to keep it under control. And I, I have gotten better lately where I don't really fall apart until after the shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I just totally start shaking like crazy. Um, you get that. But, it, but it is hard. You know, anytime I know I'm going to make a shot, that's when I really get excited. And, and I guess the size doesn't really matter. It's just the fact that I know I'm going to carry go through with this, so I get pretty pretty worked up. For sure. Well, I mean, you've killed some monster animals. I, this red stag, I, I wanted to ask you about this. Just the situation. Mm-hmm. This First of all, that's one of my dream hunts. I've always wanted to go to New Zealand. I've always wanted, mm-hmm. I just think red stags are amazing animals. And and I don't really know anything about them. I guess that's why it's amazing. Cause they look dirty. You look like they like to slop around the mud a lot. They're insane looking. <laughs> it's not a good drink to drink either. Just throw that out there. <laughs> Bro, you people will think it. <laughs> so this is a record stag. Can you kind of explain what, what that whole situation was? Yeah, when I had gone out there. So I landed in New Zealand. It was my very first time. It was also kind of a dream hunt of mine. And I got out, and I was talking with the outfitter and shooting my bow and stuff. And he said, you know, we've got a stag out here that could be a potential world record. But we haven't been able to get on him for several years. You see him, nobody can get close enough to him. If you see him, we'll go ahead and try to go after him. And I thought, well, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. As we're hunting, we got on different stags. This didn't quite work out. And finally, we had spotted him. We saw him, and we kind of tried to make a plan. And it was earlier in the day, and I thought, okay, if we, if we have eyes on them, we can absolutely take this animal. And we made a plan. We stopped. We got probably within 150 yards. And he's like, you'll never be able to get in the rest of the way, you know. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I think we can. <laughs> and he wanted, my, he wanted my cameraman to stay back with him, and I said, absolutely not. I said, him and I are going to go in. This might take a while, so you might as well get comfortable. And uh, that, he stayed back. That guy so must not be married. Actually, <laughs> no, no. He no. must not be. If, 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 if my lady tells me, oh, yeah, it can happen, then it's going to happen. I'm just. You proved him wrong. Yeah, you just watch it. <laughs> so he actually just stayed there, and we stocked up. We got within, I don't know, probably 40 yards, and I just stopped. And he kept turning, like, trying to give me a a signal to make him stand, and I just kept shaking my head because the last thing I wanted to do is be inside a 40-yard and make this giant stand without him wanting to. I knew eventually he'll stand. might mm-hmm. take a while. So we sat there and waited. I think it was three hours, maybe even longer. Wow. It rained on us, and I'm thinking, what did we do, pick a stag that's going to sleep all day? <laughs> is he ever going to get up? Um, and finally, he stood up on his own, and I made the shot, and he went down right within sight, and it was one of the neatest things. And I think the outfitter was uh, a little blown away himself. I don't think he expected <laughs> that quite to happen. Well, the cool well, thing is he doubted you. Yeah. <laughs> and you proved him wrong. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, you know, just... it, it was really, really fun. And over there, it's so cool because when you're there, when they're roaring, I mean, it's like the rut. I mean, when you've got a big elf bugling, it's pretty awesome. But those stags are just so neat, and they've got so much antler on their head. Well, like, and, uh, <laughs> you know, you're in a whole new country. It's it's really a cool experience. When they're roaring, it kind of sounds like a mix between a cow and a lion almost. Oh, yeah. Yes, it does. It and cool it, it's a really weird kind of eerie sound. 
but they're they're really a neat animal and and again it's just the whole experience of being over there i mean we got to go we shot some possums they're like really soft over there they're and they're a nuisance so we shot some of them and then we were fishing for eels in these little streams and oh really we got to do a lot of a lot of really cool stuff over there on too. the video so too you were just like slaying the turkeys that was pretty cool Oh yeah, we we took control on the turkeys. <laughs> now, now, <laughs> the, now we, the weird thing over there though is their turkeys they kind of hatch out all year, so there's no like set group of of ages or anything. They're just kind of random all over the place, and you can't really tell the difference between any of them because most of them don't have beards or spurs. The very oh. first one I shot, I got up to it. And I, like, went to show the spurs, and I was like, okay, there's no spurs and a beard, and there's no beard. And I, yeah, off camera, I started laughing. I said, I think it's a chicken. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Now, we're, we're looking at, uh, we, got this, uh, we got this red stag pulled up. Mm-hmm. That rack is just so massive. It looks like you could take, if you took some rope and just, <laughs> you know, and weaved it around, you know, kind of thread it. You could make a hammock out of that thing. No, <laughs> oh, that is a giant rack on that thing. I want to know how did you get it mounted, and where is it in your house, or is it in your house? Is it somewhere else? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It is in my kitchen because I ran out of room. Everywhere. That's awesome. What are you hanging pots and pans off of it? Or... <laughs> That's awesome. So, would you just get like a big shoulder mount or a pedestal type mount, yeah. or? Yes, it's a shoulder pedestal. Um, and then actually when I go to trade shows, I try to bring it along, and that way it's on the booth because a lot of times when kids and people come by, they haven't seen a red stag up close. Uh-huh. So it's a really kind of a neat mount to bring back and forth. But I didn't have the skull split because it was a record, and I thought, oh, it's better. Oh, yeah. I would never get a mount that big without the skull split again because I have such a hard time getting it in and out of my trailer. It fits within <laughs> like a quarter of an inch. <laughs> so how was the shipping on that? Because normally they split the skull. Well, a lot of things what they do is I know with like caribou, they'll wait till it hits the drying period and then they'll measure it and then they'll split the skull and then ship it. Um, mm-hmm. So did you just have it? I mean, I can't imagine what that would cost on shipping, right, to get it from New Zealand to Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, they put it on some sort of a boat, and there were a few fees incurred along. <laughs> some kind of boat. We, we shipped a T-shirt to Canada, and it cost like 35 bucks. You imagine we thought that was expensive. Yeah. It's, how, how does the Red Stag compare in size, uh, like that bull compared to probably one of the biggest elk you've ever shot, and you know, body size or just the whole anatomy, like, are they really close in comparison? I've always wondered that. No, the red stag is actually quite a bit smaller. Um, oh, really? Body size than an elk. Because you see that huge mass of antlers. I mean, and their antlers are, you know, thicker, and they just look more massive than an elk. But body size, they're much, much smaller. See, I um, the I meat is still the excellent. But it's they're, they're a lot smaller when you see them. Um, and part of it's just because their rack looks so big that you think their their whole body is that big. But they're significantly smaller than an elk. Really? See, you know, me and Eric were just we were talking, you know, you would think the exact opposite. But, you know, it's hard to tell. But that's actually, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. Because looking at this rack, you're like, man, that had to be a huge animal to have that much antler on his head, you know. So Strong necks. 
exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, and I and I'd never seen anything like this in my zoo books growing up. So I mean, this is like a really <laughs> in a zoo books that little thing where you spin that goes the cow goes moo. No, no, no. Yeah, not. you didn't get the New Zealand edition. <laughs> yeah. No, zoo books were those like it was like. Zoo I know books. what a zoo book yeah. is. I, they should do. Oh it yes, for, like, I had zoo books. Oh, Absolutely. you did. <laughs> yes. Were, were those not fantastic reads? I mean, the authors. Oh my goodness. Just oh, amazing Steve. pieces of work. Zoo books. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're killing me, Steve. You know, oh. Please take us seriously. <laughs> I just like to say off topic stuff. Yeah, Steve's a little out there. Um <laughs> If you haven't noticed that yet. Yeah. He's she's d- like she's like tw- she's making hashtag understatement of the year right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, and another thing I want to touch on, I'm kind of, I'm burning through my questions. These guys are just sitting quiet because I'm so freaking excited. Oh, Eric's sitting quiet. I'm over Steve's over here making jokes about back sweat. But, uh, <laughs> and zoo books. Yeah, welcome to my childhood, back sweat and zoo books. I'm glad you guys can enjoy it. <laughs> African hunting. I That looks so much fun to me. And I think it's because if I don't know a lot about animals like the red stag and I see all these animals and, you know, in Africa, I'm like, oh, man, that'd be so cool to have this and that and this and that. Mm-hmm. I can, can you kind of explain what the – for people who – I mean, most of our listeners, I can guarantee almost all of them have never been hunting in Africa. Um, can you explain what that's like to go over there and get that experience and – yeah, I mean, one of the things when you're looking to do an African hunt, the first thing everyone does, and so did I, is you look at these lists of animals. First off, you don't know what half of them are because you haven't been over there, and your zoo books didn't have them in there. <laughs> so, hey, you don't so know a lot of people. <laughs> so a lot of people will go and they'll, like, pick things out. But that's not necessarily the way it works. When you get there, you may get into, you know, a whole bunch of impala, and, and this area is really good for blue wildebeest or whatever it is. So you kind of just take it as it comes. A lot of times people think, well, this is my list. This is what I want to get. But it really does change when you get over there on the circumstances. And it can be very difficult. You know, you might, one of my favorite things to do over there is to sit at a water hole and bow hunt. And one of the reasons is you have no idea what's going to come in. Mm -hmm. There is constant wildlife there. I mean, you've got all these little baboons and you've got animals nonstop. And we would sit dark to dark. And just bring a little lunch with us. And I just absolutely loved it because you don't get to see that every day. And I, I would go into, you know, some of the big sporting goods stores and look at the mouths of the animals because I hadn't seen them in person necessarily. Mm-hmm. And it really is a fun experience. And your PHs are so good over there. I mean, they'll tell you what's good. They'll tell you what kind of animals it is. And, and that is fun to see. Now, and when you go to the sporting goods stores, they're like, you know, way <clears> – <throat> I mean, you could even do it here, but – over there, like if they're you know selling products, say like they're selling, you know various bows and things, and then you see somebody's picture who their sponsor is. Have you like ever seen yourself over there, like just walked into a sporting goods store here in 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 some distant country, and just like, hey, that's me. <laughs> and, 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 um... I don't know if I've ever seen it in another country. No, I don't think so. But then again, I haven't gone to that many. Usually I'm carrying so much luggage coming in and out that the last thing I need to do is buy more. Spend <laughs> more money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I always wondered how that'd be because, you know, you hear about musicians that say, like, you know, oh, I heard my song on the radio and I knew I made it. I mean, you know, it, 
if, if we saw our sticker on some other dude's car, we're like, dude, we made it. But it's like Eric <laughs> worked with this guy, but still, you know. <laughs> I mean, I just I, I always was curious about how that would feel if you know, you're miles away and you're like looking at the store clerk and they have no idea, you know. Like, I used to work at a right, record right. store. If some random guy from some random band, like, dude, this is me. Man, I mean, this is me in the 70s. I'm like, I, I, yeah, I don't listen to that music, though. <laughs> well, how often do you get recognized when you go out and about? I mean, in my eyes, like, you and all the other people in the industry are, like, the perfect type of famous. Because only hunters are really going to know who you are. And, you know, to the general population that's neither a hunter or against hunting that would know who mm -hmm. any famous hunters are you kind of it's kind of a good happy medium I, from the outside looking in you know yeah i mean i i would say most of the time nobody's gonna ever recognize or notice who i am or i have a hat on or whatever been and if they do i'll sit and chat with them and talk about whatever and you know i'm just another average person who loves to hunt yeah, and i think sometimes people People realize that too. Just the last week, I was coming out of my bow shop here, and this guy had pulled in. He goes, "I saw your truck, and I thought it was you." Now, there's nothing on my truck that says my show or anything like that, oh. except for my oh. license plate. <laughs> my license plates do kind of say "Deadly Passion" if you look at them close. <laughs> um, but, but I sat and talked to him in the parking lot for a half hour or something, you know. And it's, it's just fun to to know other hunters and and to run into people. You know, whether they love hunting or have seen the show or whatever, it's cool mm -hmm. to see. It's just awesome that you'll take your time to go out and talk to anyone, you know? Yeah, be able Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just like it that people are nice and they have the same, you know, as long as they're going to be nice to me, I'd love to sit and chat with them, too. So, it, it's fun. It's yeah. like you have your own show, but if anyone came up and talked to me about hunting, of course I'm going to sit there and talk to them for two hours about hunting, you know? Well, yeah, it's part, right. part of the job in a way, really. I guess you I mean, you could well, be... Well, it's part of who you are, you right. know? Exactly. That's what right. I love right. to do. That's what I'm saying. Heck yeah. That's the reason why you're able to get on and talk hunting and back sweat with us idiots. Yeah, with, <laughs> yeah obviously. <laughs> with a couple of dudes in Sheerard, Illinois. When are you going to come? When are you going to come hunt down here? Well, I guess it depends what what we're hunting. Uh, we we're hunt be, everything. We can hunt deer. We can hunt bargain discounts. We can hunt whatever you want. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, like they just opened up a Marshalls here. Just saying, need to come down for that opening sale. But <laughs> no. oh my god, no. Around here, it, it, it's funny. In our area, uh, everybody that hunts hunts next to a property that Luke Bryan hunts. Like that's 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 the thing. He's got land out here. We're yeah. Mercer County, uh, Illinois. That's well, where you're mm -hmm. Mercer County. Well, I'm Rock Island County. The podcast is in Mercer County, Illinois. All right, so we're Mercer County, right by the Quad Cities. I don't know if you're familiar with that with this area. Yes, I am. Are you really? Yes, I drive through that area all the time. <laughs> and you haven't stopped by yet. Yeah. Well, I, you guys had never given me the invite, so now oh. I have an official now invite. Now you have an official invite anytime you want. Now it's back on us. I see. How we you weren't on. Things. We weren't on our radar before. <laughs> have you ever, like, I can't just roll in and say, "Hey, guys." <laughs> yeah, you can. If it's just like, "Oh, hey, yeah, come on," like I do that to Kurtz all the time. I just walk into his house. Yeah, it's kind of turned into a problem. <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning. Hey, what's going running. on? I know I got to be at work in four hours, but hey, what's going on anyway? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I'll be sure the next time I'm coming to the Quad Cities area, I'll give you guys a call. 
Do you just yeah. have you, do you just drive straight through, or have you ever stopped here? And probably over eighty. Yeah, um, usually I'm probably about half falling asleep at that point in time, so I just am yeah, going right driving. through. Maybe stop and get some gas, buy some Mountain Dew, some Red Bulls. You know, the usual. <laughs> you, you drink a lot of Mountain Dew. A lot of Diet Mountain Dew and a lot of Red Bull. Um, I'm not much of a morning person sometimes, so after the whole fall of getting up super early every day, that's the only way I can uh, stay awake on stand and not fall out of my tree and be dangling by my safety back. So, yeah. Perfect. So, so Red Bull, if they had a Diet Red Bull, would that be your drink of choice in the stand? Well, I drink the sugar-free one sometimes. Oh, okay. and the only reason I drink the sugar-free and the Diet Mountain Dew is I drink so many of them that I'd probably put on an extra 30 pounds if I was drinking the unleaded version. <laughs> um, real quick, we can bust out a couple uh, listener questions, um, if that's cool with you. Yeah, absolutely. We have uh, Tim DeWitt. What future hunt are you planning that you that you are most excited about? Currently, right now, I'm working on putting together a Yukon moose hunt for this fall. I'm jealous. Um, and I've done awesome. several moose hunts in New in Newfoundland, and this would be my first <laughs> Yukon hunt. And and I'm hoping to do it with a bow and arrow. I think so. I'm really really excited about it. And, you know, it's a it's a long hunt. It's way up there, but I think it'd be a a pretty neat experience. <laughs> Newfoundland. I'm, My I'm girlfriend's actually... Canadian, so <laughs> she gets she's like it's New Finland. But yeah, that... it's New Finland. They get real mad if you call it Newfoundland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the guy that uh, asked that question, he's a huge fan, and we always wanted to give back to people. So if it's not too much for us to ask, that guy's a huge fan of yours. We thought it was ours, but he didn't follow us on Twitter. So <laughs> could you tweet him and just just give him a tweet? Because if we can make sure. that guy, like, he's such a huge fan. If we can make his day, then our day is complete. Life is good. <laughs> if you could do that for I us. I think I can easily do that. Oh, you are, can oh, you, yeah, you are so Can you handle it? If, what is his name? What's his Twitter handle? I'll do something. Uh, uh, Tim we'll DeWitt. S- hold on. Let me, uh, let me, let we'll me we'll send it to you. It. We'll find it here. Yeah, we'll, we'll Tim send DeWitt. it to you. Um, I'm super jealous of the Yukon moose hunt. I actually last year I have on my left shoulder a Yukon moose tattooed on my arm, like a hole from shoulder to really? elbow, just because I it's my dream hunt and I need to just. It's kind of like you're gonna do this one day, tattooed uh-huh. on your skin. You'll never forget about it. So <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, if awesome. you tattoo it, you got to do it. Exactly. So I have it. It's called motivation, right? Exactly. Uh, right. Yeah, I've got a couple tattoos that eh, I should never do again, but eh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you live and you learn. They may or may not have involved a few cocktails prior to the tattoos, right? Well. Pep's <laughs> blue ribbon, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> a little liquid encouragement there. <laughs> so what? when are you going on that hunt? Um, I'm looking right now. It'll probably be in mid-September for a rut hunt. Um, okay, is awesome. what it's looking like right now. That's you, have, you know how cold it is up in Canada is when the rut for moose hits up in September. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that'd be it's Alaska, right? Is that's where you're, that's where you're going? Oh, or? Yukon. Yeah, you say. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, there's Yukon territory in northern Canada, right? I'm still thinking of New. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I was space. I was still thinking it was Newfoundland. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we fly into. Uh, I'm not even sure exactly where we fly into. I can't remember anymore. Whoa. But I'll be coming right from a elk hunt in New Mexico. I'm just going to, I have, when I book my fall, I literally will book every single day. So I have like a morning to get to the airport to get to the next spot. And sometimes I always swear, okay, I'm not ever doing that again. But when I'm looking, <laughs> I'm like, 
I could give him one extra hunt if I don't take any time <laughs> off in between. That'd be way better. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I don't work during that time, so if you need someone to go with you, oh, let me yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> I can okay, well, I will remember that. <laughs> I can imagine what that's got to be like. I mean, I know everyone's got to say, oh, that's, you know, paradise. That would be easy. But I'm sure you got to feel like you never quit moving. You know, well, it's it's a different thing. I mean, the, the whole reason I have a TV show is because all I ever wanted to do is hunt all the time. Um, because, you know, that's all I ever wanted to do. And now I get to do that. Um, but, yeah, of course, you know, it's just like anything. There's hard parts of it. I mean, for example, people see my show this season. I've got 26 original episodes. My show's on 52 weeks a year. Every Sunday you can see the show. Um, here's the thing. Last year I had 13 hunts that were unsuccessful. That yeah. is a lot of weeks. I mean, that's almost 13 weeks of zeroing out. And you kind of get down. I mean, you start wondering what is going on and, you know, things are going on. And, and it's your work. There is a little added pressure, but I still absolutely love it. But it, but it does get difficult. Um, you're not home much. Or, uh, people ask, do you have, you know, kids? Any of I said, I can't even have a real plant at my house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to work on the real plant first, and then we'll progress from there. Maybe someday I'll get a puppy. Yeah, you come, back, you come back and you have a fake plant. Like, how did my fake plant die? I don't get this. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should start it's with realistic. that. But, man, that – you know, I guess people don't really, you know, obviously that'd be awesome to just hunt all the time, but it's, it's but, a job at the same time. It's, it's, it's a cool tra- job. Traveling, and, and I'm sure with you, I mean, because yeah, you said you're editing, and we've talked to um, a couple other, and what I mean a couple, I mean, I only mean a couple. Um, <laughs> We're fairly new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we talked to Jordan uh, Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. He was just telling us, he's like, you know, he, he dedicates, I mean, these, these, these guys, like, and I, I'm sure you're no different, but you're spending 48 hours, 45 hours uh, awake at a time, not getting any sleep, just, you know, making sure the product's good so that you can put it out. Yeah. See, I don't do that anymore. There's no way. <laughs> the problem is I don't function that well. Like, when I first started, I would stay up, you know, all night long editing, and, and I'd work nonstop. And you can do that, but I've learned that there's a point when all of a sudden you quit being productive. You know, even now, mm-hmm. like last night, when I'm editing, I'll edit sometimes till midnight, sometimes till 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, whatever. But as soon as I feel like I'm starting to make changes that maybe weren't even beneficial, it's like, okay, time <laughs> to be done. Step away and come back in the morning. And and I think, you know, it is hard, and you do put in really, really long hours. And, and this, But you got to remember, I mean, this was always my dream, and, and it's what I love, and you know, I would never switch it for anything. But, yes, there are definitely challenges that you may not think of along the way. Well, yeah, and they say if, if you do what you love, you know, you never work a day in your life. But I love being a couch potato, and there's some weekends that I'm just like, <laughs> I can't be on this couch anymore. <laughs> I can't. I'm I, tired I, of this. I, I need to get up and. I mean, I need to go get some ice cream or something. I just can't do it. Steve barely makes it to do the podcast once a week. Just, <laughs> just an FYI. Yeah, <laughs> barely. But I mean, that's actually really good advice. You know, if when you start making changes that aren't beneficial, kind of shut it off. For, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If someone's striving to do, you know, what what you're doing and their own editing, which is cool. I thought. I was watching um, some of your ep- some of your episodes from your show, and you're filming yourself, and that's. I film myself just for the heck of it when I hunt, 
And I was like, oh, man, that's really cool. Except that your footage looks three times as good as what mine could ever look, right? <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even take a selfie without screwing it up. Like, <laughs> imagine well, it is hard. It is hard. And I try to bring people with me now just so I can more focus on, you know, on the hunt and, and doing good. And it's also hard when you're really trying to hold out for, for good animals. Um, that's one of the biggest challenges I've probably run into is, number one, I've kind of – uh, really have put in a lot of time and have taken some really nice things, but there's always that fine line. You know, there's always those deer that are borderline that it's like, do you pass them and try to wait for something better? Or are you going to burn yourself? And I've burned myself several times. And it's one thing, if you're out hunting, I would just be very picky all the time. But when you're making and that's your job and you're doing shows, it's a whole nother thing to pass on something and then at the end of the trip realize okay now number one we didn't get a show Mm -hmm. and i've got all this money invested it changes it a little bit but but it all adds to the fun and then when it comes together you're just you know you're double excited (laughs) yeah for sure well i mean you self-filmed on that how would that buck score in mid 170s um yep in illinois with a muzzleloader yeah i watched that and I knew that deer was big when I watched that episode. I'm like, man, that's a mo- like potential Boone and Crockett. And then you mm-hmm. shot that thing. And then I guess at first I didn't realize you were self-filming. And cause, yeah. Because it looked really good. And then you get up to well. it and you pick this thing <laughs> up. Well, I mean, like you said, it was a little low light. But I was like, heck, you can't pass yeah. on something like that. <laughs> I don't care who you are. If you do, just get away from me because I would shoot that thing all day. <laughs> But, uh, right. The crazy thing is, is on that episode, so I, my dad was out there and my mom, and so I had self-filmed, and I had been up all night the night before editing. And it was the first day of the season. I, it was really, really cold. I crawled into my ground blind. I had a heater bodysuit. I zipped into it, right? Mm-hmm. And I was there probably 45 minutes to an hour before shooting light. I fell asleep. And <laughs> I woke up. I woke up to my phone buzzing, right? And so I answered it quick, and it was Mike at Golden Triangle, and he said, how many deer have you seen? I said, none. He goes, how <laughs> could you not see any deer? That's a great spot. I said, uh, um, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I guess I missed it. <laughs> I he guess goes, I did. well, you... are you coming in for lunch? You played said, it off. lunch? It was one in the afternoon. I had fallen asleep <laughs> that whole time. <laughs> oh, no. So uh, I was very happy to get that buck later on and actually be awake for it. <laughs> you're, you're, you're really not an, a morning person, are you? No, uh, no. Here's what it is: you get in those warm body suits and you crawl and you get comfy in a blind. It's like a cocoon, oh, yeah. man. Oh man, it's it, awesome. It, I, I've been thinking. I had about... a nice chair in there. I was all comfortable, and I hadn't hardly slept the night before. Your body's well, shutting I down from Red Bull and Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I woke uh, up going through withdrawals. <laughs> yeah. So uh, pretty soon you, you look at her in the blind. She's poured a little bit of Red Bull in a spoon and lighten it up. Like what are you, <laughs> you take it regular. No, no, no. I need it now. <laughs> well, <laughs> guys, I'm just saying. Melissa Bachman does not do drugs. Don't take that the wrong way, listeners. <laughs> Steve's shutting us down right now. But well, that's the thing. It's like me and Eric went hunting together uh, last season. And I'm just I'm an idiot, I guess, because I don't like to wear thick gloves on my uh, like my release hand because, I, you know, I mm-hmm. feel like I don't practice with thick gloves on. Um, so I use the, right. the thin little ones and I just put my hands in my pocket with like hand warmers. Well, mm-hmm. me and Eric are out in this tree. It, it was like first first or second shotgun season. 
And I'm sitting here, I'm like, dude, my hands are falling off. My hand warmers, like, quit working. He's like, yeah, I'm about to die. Yeah. Well, no, I had, like, seven of them, and he's like... Oh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, hey, you, you can have one of mine if you want. He's like... Wait, you're telling me you had this many the whole time? I forgot like, uh, about that. Yeah. It was the Dumb and Dumber scene. <laughs> it, it literally exactly. was. It was. You had an extra pair of gloves this whole entire time? <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny? Like, our lives, we've had a lot of Dumb and Dumber scenes. Like, uh, just the other day, this whole bus full of cheerleaders rolled up to us, and they're asking us where this town was, and Kurt was like, oh, it's that way. I was like, you idiot. That town's actually back there. <laughs> I'm kidding. Our lives aren't that cool. We had an all dude slumber party last weekend. We don't we don't do cool stuff. Steve just makes us seem way lamer than we really are, Melissa. I just want to give you that kind of a heads okay, up. Okay. Can I share with you a quick story? I mean this podcast isn't about me, but it's about me right now, okay? I was at work and this kid walks up to me and he goes, Hey dude, you were good this is like two days ago. He's Oh, great singing this weekend ago. Oh God! What he goes? Yeah, I was at the bar. I saw you doing karaoke, yeah. and I was like, I didn't talk to you, did I? He goes, No, I kind of stayed away. I was with some friends. Oh man, some guy I work with saw me doing karaoke at the bar last weekend. Oh jeez, boy, that's pretty awesome. I hope you did a good job. You I did, did a fantastic. We have video. Do you want us to send you the videos? We, just <laughs> oh, say I, no, I Melissa. I would enjoy seeing that because oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a couple of minute clips. I think I sang Keith Sweat. Uh, some Wham. Oh, uh, man. Pat Benatar. This is Pat a bohunting podcast. I know, but this is what we do in the off-season. We got nothing better. We do karaoke now. in the off-season, yeah. <laughs> Melissa, where do you have oh. this 170-inch buck in your house? Is it's? It, I personally would have it right next to my bed, my bed and I would get up every next morning to your bed. and pet it. <laughs> and pet it, just yep. praise it, pray to it. Every morning before I go to work, I just... that buck would be bald because you're just rubbing that. I would just I would touch the antler, look at it for a minute, get ready, go to work right before I go to bed. People would come thing. to your home and say, why does your buck have no hide left on it? <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of a funny story. No, Kurt has a problem with rubbing, so he's got this rock in here that's like this salt rock that he... Apparently, it's good for electronics, and, and every once in a while, if we're doing a podcast, I'll look over, and he's just rubbing the rock. He's like, dude, I want to get smooth so it looks cool. <laughs> He has this fetish where he has to touch something, like, when he wakes up, you know? Yeah, I don't know where Steve's getting all that, but I just want to know I'm about this buck, this Melissa, you got mounted in your house. <laughs> That's um, so in in my um, downstairs, I made it all into, like, kind of a big cedar room, and I put all my whitetails down there. And what I actually did just recently is I got my three biggest bucks from Illinois, uh, 200, that 202, that 174 and then a 164, and I had them mounted all together on a pedestal. Oh, and then oh, I bring yeah. that with me to trade shows. Um, so I just brought that out. But, yeah, I put all three of those together. and It's a really, really cool piece, but I have it downstairs with that whole room is pretty much a solid pull of mounts right now. Really? It's a little place to sit down. <laughs> don't, don't you get nervous about taking those deer to trade shows and stuff, like they're going to get banged up or whatever? Oh, believe me, they get really banged up. <laughs> um, that's just the way it is. I mean, you know, it's just the way it goes. In fact, this winter I was driving. I came back from a trade show. I had my trailer on, and I was actually taking it to my parents' house to park it there for a couple of months, and it was slippery out. And so a semi blew past me really fast, and it got my whole trailer kind of swaying back and forth. Oh, and my whole truck and trailer ended up going um, all the way sideways down the freeway 
I hit the ditch and it all tipped over. Oh, and I got out, the trailer tipped off my truck. I was by myself. I jump out and I look and I can see my red stag's antlers poked all the way through the roof of the trailer. No. And I thought, oh no. And it split his head open and a couple of the other mounts got a little bit destroyed. But the hard part is that's you know, that's part of traveling. And even when I go to these shows, like I have an alligator, I let all the little kids touch it, hang on it, take pictures with it because yeah. I believe, you know, that's kind of the reason to have it there. The yeah. last thing I want to be doing is telling people, Oh, don't touch it. It doesn't matter. Go ahead, take pictures, feel the skin of it. It, you know, it, it just makes it cooler for kids. They like to be able to touch stuff, and, yeah, and it makes yeah. it fun to bring along. <laughs> well, that and people that you... are fans of the show want to see that stuff too at the shows and everything like that. So, well, and they've seen the episodes, and it's just kind of cool to see it in person and see how big they really are. And, mm-hmm. and people like they maybe haven't seen an alligator mounted before, you know, or whatever. So, where uh, now, if something like because you said these things get banged up, where do you take those? Like if they get. Do you take him to the taxidermist or to the collision repair guy? Yeah, you should take insurance out on these <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah, um, I brought them to the taxidermist. They have to redo <laughs> stuff and fix things up. And my brown bear is actually mounted when you come in my step, and I have them sort of at an angle. And one night I was getting ready to go to bed, and I hear this big crash, and he fell somehow right on his face and busted his nose off. Oh, <laughs> so, no. <laughs> So I you, have no idea how that even happened, but that's all part of it. Mom's get banged up and yeah. it happens. So. What, well, the, what kind of truck do you drive? Um, I have a lifted-up F-150 that I drive. Ah, you're a Ford person. All right, all right. Yes. So I, I yeah, got I'm a question. pretty big fan of it. I like it. All right. <laughs> With all the mounts you have, because I have – I have a couple of turkeys, um, like a full turkey mount, and I have quite a bit of whitetail mounts. Um, mm-hmm. and every now and then I'll have – most people are aware that I'm a big hunter and all this, and they kind of expect to see the mounts and stuff like that. But every now and then I have someone come in that doesn't know – doesn't even really think about hunting. Hunting's not on their radar. Taxidermy's not on their radar. And they come in and they look around and they're like, whoa. Uh, and they're kind of thrown off. Like, either think I'm a weirdo because I have all these dead <laughs> things in my house and don't really understand it. Do you ever have that happen? Do you get, I mean, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I had some guys coming in for my cable. I had different people coming in for my internet at different times to fix things up. And their faces, when they walk in, they just look around. And the one, they were totally thrown off. And I don't think they maybe liked hunting or not. I don't know. They didn't really say it. They're like, it looks like an animal graveyard in here. Oh, man. I would have said thank you. (laughs) But a lot of that, I just use it to, you know, it's actually a great tool to be able to talk to people and say, you know what? You know, unless you're a vegan, you know, this is how I get all my wild game. And, mm-hmm. and I donate it to women's shelters and all sorts of places and, and families in need. And I've never had someone who is an open-minded person. When you say that, they're like, yeah, you know, that I guess that makes sense. I get it. For sure. Um, so I, I think I almost use too. it as a tool to, to almost educate them. And if they're an open-minded person, they see that and they're like, yeah, that makes great sense. You know, um, I'm all about that. And, and they usually leave very understanding and respectful of what you do. And I think that's a big mes- misconception with African hunting, whether it's just anything in Africa. They're like, oh, you you don't do this. You're just killing for fun. Well, you know, that meat goes somewhere. It benefits people. The money goes, you know what I mean? It's all beneficial. Yeah, it doesn't matter how many people it benefits uh, the one animal. Eh, eh. But, but you know what I mean, though? It's like that meat, 
you're using it. You're not. I think that's the thing that people don't you're not, get. Like, you're not letting it sit there and rot. Yeah, we're all you. We're no. living off this stuff, you know, and that's yeah. the thing that people don't really. We are realize. such a, a wasteful society. If you look at it, how much food we waste. When you go there, they waste nothing. In fact, they actually boiled one of my skulls and made a soup out of the skull, out of the head of one of my impala. Really? Uh, and it's really, really cool to see because it's not only, it's not just somebody gets it. It's your tractor's family. It's You actually mm-hmm. get to see them come, take it, cut it off, bring it home. They are so appreciative and so happy, and they don't waste a single thing. I mean, they use the innards. They use everything on that animal. And it is, and plus, you get to have a couple meals of it too. But it's not like you're sending money over to Africa to help some some children who are in poverty. You're actually there handing them meat that they get to eat. So you know, there's no middleman. There's nobody taking a cut out of it. Mm-hmm. You are a huge, huge help. And and once you've been over there and and see that, I think there's nobody that could argue with you on oh, that. After right. that. And that, that's what's awesome about it. I mean, you're going over there helping them firsthand. Well, it's just know. straight up you're not mm-hmm. giving a quarter a day. Right. Yeah. Hala yeah. <laughs> noodles noodle soup right there for yeah. the soul. Hala <laughs> <laughs> yeah. noodle skull. So did you have some of the the what they boiled off the skull? Did you actually have some of that and try that out or did you kind of say, "Nah, you guys can you guys can handle all no, that?" No, I would have tried it. I am open to eating almost anything, but they had already made it up, so they were eating it for their family, so I didn't get any of that. But I've had Bill Tong over there where they it's like jerky, but they literally just leave it hanging out in the sun and yeah. dirt, and it tenderizes it. And I'm not picky at all. I'll, I'll <laughs> try almost that's anything. Literally, literally sun dried. No, yeah, that's yeah. that's jerky <laughs> classic. I bet you it's awesome. It would probably be pretty good. And what? Well, hold, yeah, what, it's very good. What's your What's your favorite game to eat? That's like, a good question. What is like your ultimate? If and I'm not saying. I don't take it this the wrong way, but I'm not saying if you're ever on death row, what would be your last meal? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite wild game, I love elk. Um, that's probably my favorite, but a very, very close second is pheasant. Um, I grew up in mm. central Minnesota. We had pheasant all the time, and I still just absolutely love pheasant. Um, it's probably one of my favorite things to have. <laughs> hey, huge, do you want to buy my car? It uh, It attracts pheasants. Does it really? <laughs> I've hit within seven months. I've hit two pheasants. <laughs> one oh my! Iowa, one in Illinois. I've actually haven't seen a wild pheasant in Illinois since I was probably nine years old. Yeah, well, I hit one about a mile from your house. I know, and I somehow miss it. I don't know why. You just there's so in this area where I hunt. I think there's just so many coyotes that you just don't see them anymore. Well, the thing too around our and red-tailed hawks. our area with flooding. Coyotes, everything. That's true. The pheasants have gone down a lot. Because I remember my old man, he said they used to go every weekend and slaughter the pheasants. Yeah. And now they're mm-hmm. just not around here anymore. And like quail, Minnesota too. or South Dakota or anything like that. Exactly, quail. I've seen one quail in my life. See, where I, I used to hunt in Fulton County, Illinois, and we used to jump cubbies of quail all the time, walking to the tree stand in the morning, and the coyotes mm-hmm. just got out of hand, and I don't, you just don't see them anymore. It's just crazy. Yeah, but. the coyotes do definitely take a toll. That's growing up we did a lot of coyote hunting. And I still <laughs> love it. Even though those coyotes did chase me that big buck, a lot of people joked and said, So are you gonna not kill coyotes anymore? I said, Nope, I'll kill them tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Every day of the year. It's what's like, uh what's coyote season hunting like up in Minnesota? I mean, you know, you're 
Uh, do you get it like we get? We, we get basically year round. There's some points in Illinois. I, I, it may have changed, but there's a couple of dates a year you can hunt 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certain times of the year you can hunt them at night. Sorry, I said them. that like that. My ear, my earbuds are. <laughs> that sound weird? No, not no, at okay. all. You're fine. All right. Let's check. So, I think I'm cutting Steve's question off right now. It's not. But a good I'm actually question. really interested in like the meat thing, and I want to talk a little bit about because you do a lot of alligator hunting and yeah. uh one of my really good buddies is actually going alligator hunting i think coming up pretty quick here um his family did a vacation to florida he's like only if i can plan an alligator hunt and his wife was like uh-huh. gave him the thumbs up so he he's got an alligator hunt set up so and honestly i just added that to my bucket list after watching your video of gator hunting i'm like oh, that yeah. is awesome i'm doing that someday in my life so what the meat what do you, you know? What's the best way to do alligator? And then with the the hide, what do you typically do with that? Do you get you know? Just can you kind of explain a little bit about that? Sure. Did you not see her new when boots? Go- That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm wondering to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you go out, so most of the meat is actually in the tail section. So when you start skinning an alligator in their tail, there's actually four different colors of meat. So you almost, you skin it out, and those different muscles are actually different colors. Usually the lighter colored meat is the best. But the most important thing when you're cleaning alligator meat is when you start chopping it up and cubing it, there's almost like a silver film on the meat. You have to get all that off. It's really important because if you leave that on, it gets a really not a very good fishy taste to it. If you get that Mm -hmm. off and just have chunks of meat, It'll be really, really good. You can also take their rib and their leg meat, which is a more red meat that doesn't have as good of flavor, but mm-hmm. we mix that up and make sausage into that. Oh. So that basically covers it. So there's almost like a tenderloin in their tail and then the other three sections. So you cut those out. And then to do the skinning, the easiest way that we've found is you actually use an air compressor and you stick it in and it yeah. almost pulls the skin away. And it makes it a lot easier to skin them because they're very, very difficult to skin and clean. Um, but that helps a lot. And then I actually take those hides, and I have one that's just tanned on my couch. And then I'm a big fan of alligator mounts, so I have mm-hmm. quite a bit of quite a few mounts in my home of alligators. <laughs> um, but I just I love them; they're my favorite. You must in have fact, a... one of my one of my best friends. She was facetiming one of her her little girl when she was here. And her little girl said, look at all the dragons on the wall. <laughs> you must have a pretty big house for all this, all these mounts you're talking about. No, it's just pretty crowded. <laughs> Which is not a bad thing. Are these alligator mounts? Is it kind of like, I guess what you could call a shoulder mount for an alligator? Or do you have like a yeah. full mount? Or how does that? Well, I have a variety. So I have three of them that are half body mounts. So it's like from... So you get their front legs all the way to their stomachs, and I have three of those coming out of the wall um, right all next to each other. And then I have a three-quarter body mount downstairs, and then I have a full body mount that actually wraps around my whole TV. Oh, cool. Really? So you probably never get lonely at home, do you? You always got someone <laughs> yeah. to talk to. You know, the alligators. Yeah, these are all my the, friends. The alligators <laughs> mad at the deer, so you go over and talk to the animal. Hey, you listen, know, man, you got to settle down. <laughs> yeah, settle down. so much down. better ideas than I had for my mount. I had a crazy mount idea coming up, but I don't think I'll. We had our buddy, um, our sponsor, Mark Reif, who owns uh, Creative Critters Taxidermy. We had him in here Mm -hmm. as a guest on the show, actually, in in our little studio we got going on. And Steve's like, hey, uh, 
Could you mount like a bluegrass otter band for me? No, you know, like the typical. Otter, it was an old otter funk band. Oh, a <laughs> funk band. That's yeah. a typical Steve question. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's going to cost you about eight grand, but. Uh, I think he's yeah. charging. Yeah. Your tax service has to love you. Well, they're nice to me usually. I did find one out at SCI this year. That was a full-body alligator, and if you can imagine, the head coming up, in fact, I think they mounted it as a croc, and then the tail, and then it was a glass table between it. So it was almost like a centerpiece of a room with a glass table on it. It was one of the coolest mounts I've ever seen, but I don't think I have enough room for it. But someday I would really like to do it that way. Yeah, that would be cool. Well, I mean, it's just a – I don't know. I never think – I never really thought about aligator hunting. Until I, you know, I I see you do it and stuff like that, and I'm like, man, that would I be didn't. Cool. I I knew about alligator hunting, but I just never thought about it with a bow, you know. Mm-hmm. And with the luminox in the water, and like you can see the luminox the whole time, it was awesome. And it's fun because you can call them in. Um, you make little baby gator sounds, and the males come in to kill the gators, and the females come in to to protect them. And you can pull, I mean, you look across the swamp, and first of all, their eyes all glow red, which is super creepy, and there's eyes all over the place. And then you actually, you can start making that noise. Sometimes we put it on a CD, and it just keeps playing, or you can just do it with your own mouth and make the noise. And it is unbelievable how many big gators you can call in using that. And then if you miss them, which I've done several times, they'll go under and they're really territorial, so a lot of times they'll come back up and you can get a second chance. So that's really, really fun. Too. Well, like talking about the mouth call, I always notice too, you make the snort wheeze call with your mouth mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. And I think and that's a good point too. I think a lot of people overdo the snort wheeze. Well, what's yes. what's your perfect <laughs> criteria for throwing a snort wheeze out? We're kind of jumping all over the place, but we're just trying to. It's hunting, man. We're, we're talking trying to hunting. cram in good info. We get going on one topic, <laughs> let's roll right into another. Um, yeah, no problem. I I do believe people use a snort wheeze way too much because you have to think about how often you hear it or see it in nature. Um, in my entire hunting career, I've only heard a snort wheeze, I think, maybe four times. So yeah, I think like I've only heard it twice. Year. You know, so people, they really do overdo it. But you really need to watch what the deer are doing in your area. And that's the one thing I do, whether I'm rattling, decoying, whatever it is, you have to watch how they're acting. If you're starting to see them fighting and really, really getting after it, that's the time that you can maybe make it work. But the other thing that I try to do is I put a decoy out because when I make any type of calls, I like to have something for when that big buck does come in that he can zone in on and mm-hmm. just walk right in. Um, but the other thing is, if you're doing all that, you want to be aware that you're going to have little bucks come in. They're going to run off and get scared, but that's okay because sometimes that's your best thing because it's like another live decoy running away mm-hmm. that I've seen more times that I can bring the really big bucks in. As soon as that little buck runs off, you start hitting the antlers together, then maybe do a snort wheeze so that way they think there's a big fight going on, and that can be very, very helpful. But again, you know, as soon as I see a buck that I want to shoot or any buck coming to my decoy, instantly you stop all calls because that's another thing i see people do is they'll keep grunting or or doing more things they're already coming they're locked in on your decoy mm-hmm. be quiet because they can tell where that call is coming from yeah, and you'll end definitely. up just spooking them off well that's the thing you know when these um these calls came out the snort wheeze and the growl or the roar or you know whichever mm-hmm. and 
those are all effective calls. But like I just like what you were saying, when, people overdo it. They think they see it on TV. Oh, I'm going to do it all the time. And I've snort wheezed in one buck, and he uh, you just tell he was an old fighting stud. But you know mm-hmm. I won't snort wheeze. I mean, you snort wheeze at a two year old, he's out of there typically. He's, he's yeah. gone. Yep. But I mean, the, but the, but. But the bottom line is that those calls all work better than the sign that you can put out that says free deer candy <laughs> for mature bucks. Yeah, that, that sign doesn't work out so well. <laughs> but oh, the snort wheeze, I mean, try and look that up on YouTube and see how few videos you get of people actually catching the snort wheeze. <laughs> I, 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 and, and people put these videos up and you look at them and they're like, Oh, he's snort wheezing, snort wheezing, and you're like looking at the deer, and you can't hear it. Mm-hmm. It's a weird. It's it sounds different than you would expect it would yeah. in person. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's not all loud and distinct like it is like in the call. You know right. what I mean? But mm-hmm. and then again, I've only heard it a handful of times because so I can't really say whether or not this is what it for sure sounds like or not. I heard it and I was like, holy crap, that deer just snort wheezed. It was one of those, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So. I had a buck in South Dakota that I called in, and I was just rattling, and it came to my decoy. And he stood there, and he snort three times at my decoy. And wow. uh, I didn't end up shooting him. He was a mature buck, but he just it was like the first 15 minutes of my hunt. I had <laughs> went in this long place. I hung my stand, got mine, the cameraman's up, really high up in a tree, and it was crooked. And I bet it took me two hours to get all the everything hung and, and how we wanted it. We sit down. I rattle one time, and this nice buck comes in. And I thought, oh, my goodness. I, I don't know. It was right a borderline buck, and I ended up passing him. And then 14 days later, we ended up finally getting our deer. And it was a lot bigger, but, boy, there were a lot of days where him and I looked at each other saying, maybe we should have shot that buck in the first 15 minutes. You always have, you always have that, maybe we should have shot that. Yeah. yeah. It's yep, always yep. hard to pass one up, like, I don't know. Early season is always, you got to have a monster buck or it's nothing. Well, that's, well, yep. the thing is I like about your show, Melissa, is you said something It was, I'm not going to lower my standards on the last day, just basically mm-hmm. just because it's the last day. And I was like, I got to respect mm-hmm. that because the old saying is, I don't know, I don't remember how it goes. Don't pass something on the first day that you wouldn't shoot on the last. Right. right. So, and if you have your standards set, okay, mm-hmm. this happened to me. I had a buck I was hunting all last year. Didn't have a chance to really close a deal. Almost like last week or two of season, I got a two-year-old come in, and I'm like, man, he's like pushing 130. I'm like, oh, man, I I, I didn't kill a deer, a buck last year. Nope, mm-hmm. not shooting him. He's too young because in two more years, mm-hmm. he's going to be a stud, and I can make something mm-hmm. happen. So, yeah. and, and I try to really live by that. And, you know, and if I need deer for the freezer, I'll shoot a doe. Exactly, you know, um, exactly. And, and really, it doesn't matter. I mean, I don't have anything against people shooting smaller deer. I grew up in central Minnesota. We shot anything we had the opportunity at. <laughs> it's sure. just the way it is. If There's nothing wrong down. with that. But if but if I'm in a location and I set a standard for what I want to shoot or, or the outfitter has, you know, an age class they want, that's what I'm going to hold out for. I'm not going to change it. You know, it, it could be easier, especially when you're making a show. But I think sometimes you got to show that, you know, I made a decision like that South Dakota hunt. Um, I didn't shoot a deer. Now I'm on the last day, and I'm going to pass this because that's what I came here to do. And, you yep. know, it's not – I think people can respect that and, and understand it as well. Definitely. Right well, it's just that everyone has their own personal standards, and I kind of mm-hmm. – you know, I don't have a 200-inch deer, so I'm not like, I'm going <laughs> to wait for a 250-inch deer. I have – you know, I'm in the – 
high 140s, 150s mark. I'm like, okay, you know. Guys. We'll up it up from here. I just got to tell you this. Mm-hmm. What's okay. up, Steve? Mm-hmm. When, when you stop looking for that big buck is when the big buck comes to you. You can't stop looking for the big one. No, you have that's to stop the thing. looking for the big buck because it's like it's like with like with girls. When you stop looking for a girlfriend, the perfect one comes to you. <laughs> Is that not solid logic? It happened to me. I just stopped looking. All right, maybe I didn't stop looking. Okay, but just for for everyone out there, just, oh just, stop, just stop looking for the big buck, and it'll walk in front of your stand, and it'll be glorious. So, See, that's the thing. I, you. You'll never stop looking for the big one. Oh, That's the no, thing. You man. never will. No. <laughs> so, Melissa, the question I have for you is, going back a little bit, you said growing up you shot coyotes, pheasants. What got you <laughs> into hunting? Like, what? What was the kickstart? What was, yeah, what made it happen? Well, it was really both my mom and my dad. I mean, ever since I was, uh, you know, one years old, one year old, they would bring animals home, and they we would take pictures of them. And all I wanted to do as I got older is be able to hunt. Um, when we were five, six years old, my mom and dad would both hunt. We'd go out duck hunting. My brother and I would just stay in our little blind. As soon as they shot a duck, we'd run out, grab the duck, bring them back in. But I had to wait until I was 12. Yeah, you bet. We were like the little dog. <laughs> but when I was finally 12, I got to go deer hunting. And Honestly, that was like the number one thing of my whole life. I could not wait till I turned 12 years old. And before I I actually got to go hunting that year, I stayed up all night drawing little maps where I was going to hunt first. <laughs> I was so excited. And my mom and dad both took me out, and they brought us bow hunting before we were old enough to hunt. We just sat on their stand, you know, with them. But it really made a difference. And the most important thing is, my parents didn't say, you know, you got to shoot a buck or you need a bigger deer or a mature deer. It didn't matter. My first year, it was legal to party hunt in Minnesota. And, and I got, uh, I think, three small does, which were probably fun. <laughs> but, but I provided the food for our entire family, and it absolutely, absolutely got me hooked. And, and I really think sometimes people forget that part, you know. To a kid, it doesn't matter. It's the experience. It's everything. It's having fun. And if someone would have told me I had to hold out for a big buck, it, it, I didn't get a buck until five years later. Right. Um, I probably yeah. would have quit. Yeah, you it would have ruined so, it for you. Yeah, so I, I think that's really important to remember that, you know, you just got to be smart in the area you're hunting. And, and I take kids out in Illinois all the time. You can shoot anything you want. That's what I always tell them because I don't want them to, to feel like they're just wasting their time and, and not getting them, get them excited. If they want to shoot a spike, hey, I'm all about it. Go for it. You know, right. whatever's yeah. going to make you happy and get you hooked. And I think sometimes people need to remember that. For right. sure. Because I sure. can remember the first, when I was 12 years old, the first day I went out, I don't think I slept a minute that night. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> first morning going deer hunting with your old man. That's awesome. Oh, you know? yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I remember, I you know, one of my first days bow hunting, I shot a doe. Oh, second day. I, I gun hunted for three years and never killed anything. Second day bow hunting, I shot my first deer. And, oh, I think the next year I made a goal to get my first buck, and I did that. And then I didn't kill one with mm-hmm. my bow. And I was like, okay, this year I'm killing one with my bow. And I finally made that happen. And, you know, that's me and my dad were out, and I shot this buck. I was I was 15 when I killed my first buck with a bow, and who's he's a good buck. He's actually hanging over me right now. He'd be all Pope and Young. He's got a broken uh, 
Broken brow. Broken G3 and a broken brow that keeps them, like, with just in a few inches of Pope and Young, which doesn't matter, but... Mm-hmm. And that's just one of the... I'll never forget it. You know, it's, I, it sticks with you. I remember when I shot my first buck, it was a little four-pointer, and that was the happiest day of my life, you know? It was awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean... You bet. Now... Well, what you got, Steve? Oh no, I'm just uh, just saying. Uh, we we've got just a few more minutes left. We're, we're running a little over time, but uh, we we did want to get to. Uh, I I wanted to get to this. Uh, you looks like you teamed up with Sure Shot, and you have some jewelry. Can you explain that mm-hmm. to uh, some of our lady listeners? Lady listeners, yeah, uh, and they jewelry. actually make stuff for guys and girls. And mm-hmm. kind of the idea behind it, it's all um, Winchester casing. Um, and all the jewelry. Oh, really? And what I like about it is it's jewelry that I would wear if I'm out or, or doing something fun, not necessarily hunting, but it still shows that I'm a hunter. Because I think mm-hmm. that's really important whether I'm going to the airport, whether I'm going out to eat, whatever it is. I like people to know, hey, I hunt. I love to shoot. Um, this is what I do. And I think it's just kind of a way that we've combined some really cool looking stuff with the idea that we are hunters. And, and I think now is just, you know, a great time more than ever to show and, and tell the world, hey, I'm a hunter, I'm a shooter, and, and I'm proud of it. And I've had a lot of people stop me along the way who, who maybe will just ask, um, is that really a casing on or, you know, is that really a shell on your neck? Yep. <laughs> um, That's but really they have cool. some really cool stuff. They have money clips, flasks, um, all sorts of stuff for both guys and girls. And, and it's just something <laughs> neat that I decided to, to give a try. Hey, awesome. if, you have a, if you have a money clip and a flask, at one point, either one's going to be empty and one's going to be full. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true fact. We'll put a uh, sure shots uh, website in, in the link to the. We'll put it in the description of the podcast. So people but can that's check also, that out. Okay, cool. Like, I mean, that's why we wanted you on the show is because you can watch any of your shows, and if a buck runs away, you're so ecstatic about it, you know. You're still it's like, not, that was awesome. That was awesome, you know? It's not like you see some of these shows where, like, a buck runs away, and he's like, oh, dang. You're like, you turn around the camera, your eyes are big as bugs, and you're like, that was freaking <laughs> awesome, you know? You can definitely see your passion. Passion? Get so passionate. Oh, yeah, there's no faking any of that. When I when that all works out, I mean, like I said, the only reason I even have a show, I never wanted a TV show. All I wanted to do was hunt for a living, and this was a way that I kind of, Went to school, I got the production background, so that way I could hunt. That's the part I love. The TV, that just comes with it so I can actually pay a mortgage and have a place to keep my stuff. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and now, you did it, you is, did it. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. The, the, the reason for this question is because I want something out of it. <laughs> oh, God. Listen, Beware, have you Melissa. ever met or hunted with Stone Cold Steve Austin? <laughs> oh have God. I ever? Yeah, have you ever? No, I have not. Okay, well, you got connections. Can you put the feelers out? I want to meet him. The whole I, I, I said to the guys, if we ever meet or have Steve Austin on the show, the podcast is over. I've lived my lifelong dream. Oh, my Melissa, God. So if you ever meet him, send him, send him your way. Or send if him I our meet way. him, that will be the first thing that comes out of my mouth. That is a promise. Oh, you were a sweetheart. God bless you. Don't, don't even say hi to him. Just say, hey. Like, Working oh, class hey, bow hunters. I actually need a favor from you, buddy, and you're going to say yes because that's just the way we're going to do this. <laughs> yeah, throw down with them over it. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. I'm on board. I like. The, I swear, if you throw him a Budweiser, happen. he will not be mad a about what? it. What? 
Uh, Steve uh, Weiser. Steve Weiser. Uh, Steve Weiser, sorry. Uh, Melissa, don't think badly of me, but I still have – I have three Steve Austin T-shirts that fit me <laughs> now. <laughs> that fit me now. All right. Melissa, when where can people find your show? At what time? When, when can they catch you? It's on every single Sunday. Um, it's Winchester Deadly Passions, the name of the show, on Sportsman's Channel at 11.30 Eastern Time, 10.30 Central Time, every Sunday morning, year-round. Awesome. Okay. Well, hey, we really appreciate you being on the oh, show. By the way, go to MelissaBachman.com and check out yes, that website. Yes, I have a couple seasons of episodes on MelissaBachman.com if you don't have Sportsman's Channel or if you haven't seen them, and then you can get caught up on the new episodes every Sunday. Awesome. And you're on Twitter. Uh, what's your Twitter handle? Melissa Bachman. Simple <laughs> 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 that, guys. Yeah, Melissa Steve. Bachman. <laughs> she, okay, just, she just I, said, I, hey, I, you're I, a dummy. I, I had the option of having, <laughs> my name is Steve, and I almost had the option of turkey baster. Just say it. You never know. <laughs> uh, and, and, then, uh, and then go to, uh, how do you get to the jewelry? Is it uh, SureShot? If you just go to SureShot.com, you can okay. get it. Or you can get it through my website, too. Okay, okay, awesome. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you having on the show. Uh, stick around after we get done. We'll uh, we'll chit-chat before we, we cut you off. So, But we really she's appreciate you having up us. As soon as yeah, she's yeah. like, screw she's like, these, these guys. guys. Like, They're a bunch of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. Thank I really was... appreciate you having me on the show. It is fantastic how nice you are because I know you wanted to hang up before we even called. You were well, such a... Well, she wanted to hang up after <laughs> back. not true. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No, she no, heard no. back. So she's like, oh, jeez. What did I get myself into? Here's what happened. She's probably wearing Oshkosh, Oshkosh Bagage. And she stuck around. Right now. <laughs> you might be uh, right, Yeah, Steve. they're actually going to be the title sponsor of the show next year. <laughs> Oshkosh Bagage, Deadly Passion. Oh, man. Oh, I would that. freak out if that really happened. Super Deadly Passion. <laughs> um, okay, guys. <laughs> there you go. Uh, thank you, Melissa, so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. This Sunday, we'll be at Davenport Valley Archers uh, 3D shoot, Father's Day. My dad might be with us. so uh, oh, We're going to shoot on Father's Day with Bring your father. dads. We're going to have a shoot-off. That dude is super old. <laughs> no, he's not that old, Steve. Uh, he's like 80. Okay, yeah. uh, next week, we're going to have Taylor Drury on the show. So check that out. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, guys. Uh, why don't you go shoot your bow until next time? Thanks, guys. Shoot Later. Him. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.